Good evening to you all, and good evening if you're watching this uh, online. Thrilled to have you with us. Just to say as we begin that everything you see tonight, everything on the stage, everything that's been written, performed, acted, the whole lot is done by members of the church. Many, many people have been involved in this, and it really is going to be a treat. So do enjoy yourself, and uh, you know you can applaud at any point you want, and clap along, and let's have a great time. Enjoy the service. What is it that we value most? What is it that lays hold to our attention, claims our affection, hijacks our ambition? What is it that we desire most? For we are desiring beings. We love, we want, we feel, we crave, we pursue. We long, each to their own. A relationship, a career, fame, money, power. Each treasures something. Something that offers wholeness. Something that offers meaning. Something that calms the sense of being incomplete. Of being like a jigsaw with a few missing pieces. What is it that we value most? What do we chase? So often it's true that the things we pursue become the things we are captive to. So often the treasure that we chase becomes a shell, an empty space. Where we expected to find wholeness, we find it inadequate. Something pursued for the promise of joy that when achieved is lacking and void. Achievement melts into bereavement. We achieve our goals but lose our hope. We live by the mantra, when I achieve that, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel enough. But when the goal is realized and happiness isn't, hope takes the hit and we grieve. It is the false horizon of hope, the promise made that can't be kept by so many of the things that we chase. Should we hope for anything more? Can we risk our hearts again? Is there a horizon that can be touched? A promise that will stand true in the end? Joseph. Well, there is a story from long ago, an outrageous story that claims to know just what we need. 
it's a story about something more valuable than gold. A story too valuable to be bought or sold. It claims the greatest treasure the world could ever afford. But hidden in dirt and muck and straw. One more look before you dismiss it. Perhaps then, if you look hard enough at a stable and a feeding trough, you'll glimpse what the kings of old saw, and many, many millions more. A treasure, the hope of humanity, hidden in obscurity. Stand, sing our first carol.
Ladies and gentlemen, the museum will be closing in five minutes. Please make your way to the nearest exit. We trust you enjoyed your visit and hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that's over. After a few free glasses of Verve Clicquot, one can never be quite sure all the exhibits will remain intact. 
however rich and cultured our benefactors are. No. Everything all right in here? Yes, yes. Good, good. So, um, you'll be in here all night, will you? Yes, all night long. Like the great Lionel Richie. I'm sorry? <laughs> it was one of his hits. In 1983, I think. Oh, right. Must be fascinating to be here on your own, surrounded by such history, so many stories, so many treasures. Ever been uh, tempted to pocket Nefertiti's lapis lazuli Egyptian scarab? <laughs> Even if I knew what you were talking about, I wouldn't want one. No, 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 of course, you're a professional, and no doubt take your job very seriously. It was rude of me to suggest otherwise. And it is a privilege for us to dedicate our lives to protecting these ancient wonders. Well, to be honest, uh, Jasper, I turn up, clock on, and I go home. And as long as there's the same amount of dusty bowls when I leave as when I arrived, I'm happy. Well, I suppose that's another way of looking at it. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. No, 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 it's all right. I'm used to it. My family's not quite as passionate about ancient history as I am. In fact, my son William, when he found out we were coming here, once threatened to jump out of a moving car. He was only two. <laughs> well, um, I'll leave you to protect the treasure. <laughs> what makes something a treasure? I'm sorry? Well, I'm sure all these things are very important historically and that, but... At the end of the day, they're just pieces of metal, or wood, or clay. Well, the word treasure comes from the Greek thesauros, meaning a receptacle of valuables. I suppose you could say a treasure is anything that is valued. And yes, there are things in the museum that are valuable being made of gold, but value is in the eye of the beholder. So if you value something, then it is a treasure to you. And things are valuable for all sorts of reasons, historically, culturally, anthropologically. Ma Vicky made one of those pasta drawings at nursery. You know, the ones with orange lentils and too much glue. <laughs> I remember them well. She brought it back from nursery and she'd put a little name on it. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, that is rubbish. <laughs> it was a really bad picture. Thing is, it's priceless. I wouldn't sell it for all the money in the world because my daughter made it and she made it for me. A treasure indeed. <laughs> well, um, I'll leave you to your coffee. Oh, uh, would you like some? I mean, you can have this one, I've not touched it. You know what, I would. I've been gasping for a coffee all evening, thank you. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know that old Bible? Do you mean The Nubian Past, An Archaeology of the Sudan by David N. Edwards? <laughs> <laughs> it's a running joke in the department. <laughs> Carry on. I mean the really old copy in the Middle East exhibition. Yes, 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 of course. Well, I often have a read of it at the end of my rounds. Oh, well, the translation. The, Greek, the original's all Greek to me. <laughs> Actually, it's mostly in Hebrew with a smattering of Aramaic. <laughs> Carry on. Well, there's this bit in it that says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. I'm not sure what it means, but it's always stuck with me. And I think what it's trying to say is that all these unique things are great, but they're not valuable because they're made of bronze or because they're 3,000 years old. It's because of the people and the stories behind them. A budding anthropologist. And you know Jesus? Is he in catering? <laughs> oh, no, not Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus from the Bible. Oh, oh, yes, sorry, yes, of course. Well, well, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he didn't leave any things behind, did he? No jewel-encrusted crown or fancy tapestry. Yeah, every Christmas. In fact, every time we write the date, we remember him. Yes. Yes, I, I, I suppose we do. It's all about love, isn't it, really? My daughter's picture is valuable because she loves me and I love her. And well, that Jesus, he was all about love, wasn't he? We remember him, we, we value him. Not because he was some great military leader with a golden chariot, but because he loved people. That's the greatest treasure, love. I don't know what you've put in this coffee, but I can't wait for it to kick in. <laughs> I think that's what it means. I think love is the sort of treasure we should store up. I think heaven is probably full of love. I think you're right. And I think if we stored up some of that down here, there'd be a bit of heaven on earth. Belinda Carlisle, 1987. <laughs> well, um, I'd better make sure the trustees are in the right taxis. Thank you for the coffee. <laughs> oh, um... You might want to be careful when you wash your mug. There aren't many of those around. It's over 4,000 years old and one of the earliest examples of ancient mime pottery ever discovered. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. We like stand.
You don't have to take your seats. That's the first half. We're going to take a short break now, and during this break, there'll be a couple of baskets coming around. First is full of chocolates, so do feel free to help yourself to one of those. Sorry if you're watching online. And the second one is the offering. <laughs> the second one's the offering, and the, this offering, and indeed the other three services over the weekend, we'll be giving that away. So the church won't benefit at all from it. We're going to be giving it to Nottingham Winter Shelter, which is a charity project run by Emmanuel House here in Nottingham. 
And uh, each year this happens, and a number of church buildings all over the city are used to house people who would otherwise, through the winter, be sleeping rough, freezing outside. And one of those buildings is the building behind us here, our own arches. So it's an amazing project. They offer emotional and physical support for people who would otherwise be sleeping rough. And of the hundred and something people who they accommodated last year, some of them for weeks, the majority they managed to get housed into more long-term accommodation. So it's a tremendous uh, project. I'd encourage you to give generously. And also, what we've decided to do as a church is double whatever you give. So over the whole course of the weekend, whatever we give here, every pound instantly becomes two pounds to be given away. So feel free to give generously. Wise men, magi, stargazers, kings. They came from the east, observing constellations. The stories being told and retold, capturing imaginations, holding our attention throughout the generations. Replete with knowledge, wealth, status, clothed with splendour, with regal greatness, they saw something written in the night sky, something significant that caught their attention. The arrival of one of which the heavens took note of one for whom the silent stars spoke. And so he arrived subtly in obscurity, unseen, and as creation held its breath, he began to breathe. And so these magi, reading the skies, set out on a journey, leaving all else behind, looking for royalty, looking for a king, looking for the one who made the stars sing. And they found the child without a palace, without fine clothes or kingly food. They found him without royal guards or protection, without dignitaries or an official reception. In obscurity, in simplicity, humble, poor, they found what they'd been looking for. And so these kings, these wise men knelt in the dust, placing treasures on the ground in the dirt. Gifts that had travelled from distant lands, carefully crafted with skilful hands, carried a huge distance with the greatest care, prized and finally placed there in the dirt. Gold, a royal gift for a king, more valuable than any other thing, but out of place in a place like this. Frankincense, perfume from the Boswellia tree, the fragrance of royalty, portion of the wealthy, but out of place in a place like this. 
Myrrh, an expensive burial gift, strange for a birth, but then all of this is. There was more to this child than circumstance suggested. These gifts were extravagant, expensive, majestic, perhaps even something prophetic, but out of place in a place like this. With treasures lying in the dust, things in which men and women trust, these kings gazed upon this boy, this baby, without delay, readily exchanging all this for him. More valuable than gold, frankincense and myrrh, more valuable than any treasure in this world. The child grew to become a man who would live and teach like no one else had, kind to the broken, the hated and the despised, strong with those who thought themselves wise, yet killed and buried though innocent of wrong. Once again hidden what you wouldn't expect, in a tomb not a stable but unlikely nonetheless, was a treasure more valuable than any other thing. Like the first breath of the baby in the stable in the dark, life came into the tomb, his body, his heart. Those around him, like the wise men right at the start, fell to their knees in wonder. The baby in the stable with treasures at his feet became the centre point of history, the greatest influence, the brightest hope the world would ever see. Those kings, those magi heard what few else did as they journeyed far and long. The sound that broke the silent night as the stars burst into song. Well, tonight the theme is treasure. And um, a long time ago, when I was a little girl, my mother lost something that she treasured. And she got my three sisters and I together, so the four of us there lined up, little girls, and she asked us whether we had taken her engagement ring. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, when somebody starts asking detective-like questions, I immediately felt, it was me. It must have been me, you know, that guilty feeling. I remembered I would, I would go and look at this ring and I would touch it and put it on, and, but then I put it back. I, I hadn't taken it. I hadn't done anything with it. And apparently none of my sisters had either. Well, the days went by, the months went by, and there was a bit of a gloom in the house because this ring was nowhere to be found. Well, a few months later, one of my sisters got really poorly, and she was in hospital, delirious, and on her bed, she begins to say, Mummy's ring, toy box. Mummy's ring, toy box. Well, once she was fully recovered, my mother sat down with her and said, darling, when you were in hospital, you'd said something about mummy's ring and toy box. Well, my sister's face covered in shame. She starts to confess. She'd taken the ring and she'd lost it in the toy box. Now this toy box was unlike any other toy box. It was huge. It went through one room and then into another. You could crawl through it to the other room and out into the hallway. It was full of dressing up clothes, old uh, shoes, uh, toys of every kind, dolls, broken and fixed, and uh, all kinds of debris. And so my mother had to systematically, methodically work her way through this toy box. And she went for days searching every bit, taking things out, looking inside shoes, every single thing. Hallelujah, one day she found the ring and there was rejoicing in the house. But you know, just like that ring that got buried in the toy box, 
in this season, it's really easy to lose the real treasure in all the wrappings of Christmas. So what I want to do today, tonight, is to talk about this treasure. And um, we're going to do this by looking at the Bible. And you saw that reading from Matthew chapter 2 about these wise men, these magi, who traveled from the east. And they followed a star and they came to Bethlehem. And it says in verse 10 that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So these men, they are astrologers. They study the skies at night. And uh, they could have been gentry. They could even have been kings. And they come from the east. They may have come from China or East Africa. In any case, they come from a part of the world where the stars are worshipped as hosts of heaven. And uh, these men are searching the skies for signs. And they had studied ancient Eastern manuscripts and the scriptures from the Jewish tradition. And they had come to expect the birth of a king. So when they see this unusual star, its shape, its movement, they get incredibly excited. Look, look, says one of them. Look, the star is descending. It's coming to earth. This is significant, says another. What does it mean? It's the birth of the king of the heavens. A heavenly host is coming down. The signs, the manuscripts, the scriptures, it's true. We have to go. We have to go. This is what we have to do because this is what we've been waiting for. They were so excited they had to go on this journey. So they start to prepare. You know, this journey was going to take over a year, maybe even two. They gather provisions, they get camels together, and then they come to say goodbye to their families. This journey was going to be long and arduous. It could have been that they meant they crossed seas and rocky terrain and deserts. Why would they do this? Because the star they were following was leading them to an encounter with a king. Not an ordinary king, a cosmic king. This will be a treasured encounter of a lifetime. What shall we take? What shall we take for this king? What gift shall we give him? Because the gifts had to be very special. Matthew 11, 11 tells us that uh, they came to the house and then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are treasure gifts, valuable gifts. Gold because of its lasting value. Symbolic of royalty, of rulership. Why? Because Jesus was and is the everlasting king. And then frankincense really costly in those days. A kind of essential oil with healing qualities. A little bit like, you know, we use something like tea tree oil, an essential oil, we rub it into the skin and it heals us. And then frankincense had this incredible fragrance. And in those days, it was used as a smoke offering to the gods and kings. So why this gift? Because Jesus is our healer, because he is God and because he is a beautiful fragrance. And then this final gift, myrrh, a rare anointing oil, embalming for burial. 
very strange gift, as it said in the narrative. Strange gift for a child. Why this gift? Well, you see, the wise men, they journeyed to find a heavenly king, but they also knew that he was human, that he would die one day, but his death was going to be significant. So these gifts confirmed the authority, the majesty, the life, the character, and the deity of Jesus. These treasures were very significant. But for these wise men, these magi, it was who the gifts were for. That's what mattered. Now you can imagine after such a long, arduous journey, the euphoria of finding Jesus. It says in, uh, in verse 10 that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They couldn't help themselves. These kings, they fall on their knees and they worship this child. You know, everybody needs something to worship. I was at a Mumford and Sons concert a couple of weeks ago and it was an amazing experience. The, the atmosphere was electric. And I was watching the crowd and there they were, arms in the air, waving their mobile phone torches. They were singing the lyrics. They were staring adoringly at Marcus and the band. And I looked at them and I thought, you're having a taste of worship. You are experiencing something of worship. You see, we were made to worship. And if we don't know who or what to worship, we will find someone or something to worship. In the same way, if we don't know what or who to treasure, we will find something or someone to treasure. I wonder what you treasure. In this Christmas season, what is it that you treasure? Is it getting together with your family? Is it friends? Is it parties? Is it the games? Is it the food? Is it pigs in blankets? <laughs> For me, I have to confess, it could well be my chestnut stuffing. It is amazing. The recipe for my chestnut, chestnut stuffing is like nobody else's. And I add kind of ingredients as I go along and, and I make gargantuan quantities and I give it away. I don't even know if anybody else likes it, but I love it. And it's like a meal. I mean, you just have to add a few greens and you could just have it as a meal in itself. It is so amazing, if I say so myself. But you know, joking apart, joking apart, we all have things that we treasure. And in more of a profound way, it may be a person. It may be, it may be someone who you loved who died, who's passed away, and, and you, you treasure that person. You, you think about them often. It may be it's a, a memory, a treasured memory, or maybe a, a symbolic possession like my mum's engagement ring, something really precious to you. But I wonder what it is you treasure above everything else. Because the Magi, these wise men, they put everything to us aside. Their families, they said goodbye. They set on a journey following a star to a distant land. Why? Because Jesus was their treasure. They worshipped him. And there he was when they met him, a, a simple, poor child in, in very humble surroundings. But it didn't put them off because they understood that it wasn't what he looked like. It wasn't what he had, what he owned, what surrounded him that made him who he was. You know, they had looked to the heavens. They had seen the wonders of the sky at night. They'd studied the scriptures and ancient manuscripts. And they knew that this Jesus was the king of heaven. There's an amazing song, uh, Psalm 8. And it's likely that they may have found these scriptures in the Old Testament. It says this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind? 
that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This was this, the Lord. This was this Lord of the ancient scriptures. This was the Jesus that they worshipped. He is the treasure worth giving up everything for. But why did he come? Why did this heavenly king come to earth? Well, this is the best news of all. He came because you, you are his treasure. You see, God created you. He made you in his image to be like him. You are his sons, you're his daughters, you're his treasured children. That's who he says you are. That is your identity. You may not know that. You may be trying to find your identity within yourself. You may be trying to construct it and seek it from those around you, expecting them to accept and affirm your identity. But God says he knows your identity. He gives your identity to you. He wants you to be secure in the identity that he gives you. God himself became a person so that you could see what he was like. God came as his son, Jesus. This Christmas story really did happen because you, you and I, we are his treasure. Jesus grew up to be the most amazing, incredible, magnetic, kind, compassionate, supernatural person. And this book tells you how he lived. And it tells you that he sacrificed everything for you and me so that we could be reconciled to God our Father, so that we could know this identity that is given to us, so that we could live like he lived. And it's, it's amazing what he did. By his death and then resurrection, we can enter into this new life and we can experience intimacy with God as our Father. We are so important to him. We are his treasure. I came to know Jesus as my treasure um, and I kind of affirmed that in my early 20s. I had some amazing encounters with him. And it meant that I, I gave my life to him. I surrendered everything to him. And I, I made some sacrifices because I knew that that exchange would never be shortcoming. I mean, it, was, it has been the most rewarding thing to know Jesus as my savior. And uh, it's been an adventure. And every day I encounter him and I have intimacy with him. And I know him, and he knows me. He affirms me in who I am and, and what I'm called to do and to be in this world. And it is an amazing relationship. You may have been invited here tonight by somebody who is longing to tell you about their relationship with him. Ask them about it. Ask them about Jesus, the God of heaven who came to earth because we are his treasure. The wise men traveled a long way because Jesus was their treasure. He's my treasure, he's the treasure of many people in this room. I wonder, would you want him to be yours? Why don't we stand together and just reflect for a moment? Let's just stand up. The band's gonna come on the stage and we'll be going, we're gonna be singing some more songs. But let's just be quiet for a moment and just reflect would you want him to be your treasure? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came from heaven to earth. You lived a humble life. 
that you reflected God's image perfectly and wonderfully. You died for us on the cross so that we could have relationship with you, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to be your children, your treasured children. Thank you, Jesus, that because of you, we can live a new life, truly connected to you. Amen.
Die Leute sagen, ich sehe es. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, asked Mary, since, the, um, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Teenage mum. It's got a ring to it, hasn't it? Unmarried teenage mum, well, that's, that's even better. Especially in the village I come from. I didn't understand it at first, like how it happened, why it happened. But even when I got my head around that, I still don't understand why I'd been chosen to look after and feed and care for such treasure. It's more precious than anything I could imagine. So much bigger than, than me. Okay, well, it's obviously not bigger than me, it's a baby, but it's what, it's what he represents. He's not just for me. And the one thing I'm really struggling to get my head around is the fact that before I even held him in my arms, I had to give him away. You know, someone once said to me that parenting is just teaching a child to live without you. You're giving them everything they need so that they don't need you anymore. And you celebrate every time they do something on their own for the first time, their first their steps, their first burp, their first roly-poly. From day one, they say you're, you're just slowly giving them away. But someone else said to me that having a baby, a child, is the most precious thing and you have to love it and hold on for it for as long as you possibly can. But I think you can do both. I think you can love someone or something with every ounce of strength that you've got and still give it away. Because what if it's the giving that changes everything? What if it's the giving that brings the hope and the joy Joy to the world. What's the point, right, of having a, a, a treasure chest full of, of gold and diamonds if you just hold on to it? You have to spend it and exchange it and find out how much it's really worth. Don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting we should sell our children because that would, that would obviously be wrong. But what I'm saying is the treasures that are given to us, they're, they're not really ours. Actually, my uh, fiancé knows what that's like. But that's another story. <laughs> but the treasures we have and that are given to us, they're for us to cherish, yeah. But also maybe give away. You know, I have been chosen to look after the greatest treasure, right? Little me from my little village. And I know it is not going to be easy. Not least because my other half, right, he's a carpenter, so his hands are like two large Brillo pads. But if this baby turns out to be as beautiful and as wonderful as I think he's going to be, then he is going to change so many people's lives. And it will be my honor to give him away 
And I just hope that in all the dust and the difficulty that people will see him for who he really is. Right, he's my king. He's my son. He's my Jesus. Let's stand together for our final two carols.
It's been just the most wonderful evening. And you know, it takes a lot more people to make something like that happen than those people you've seen visibly on the stage here. We've got dozens of people involved, production team and car parkers and hosts and so on. So would you please join me in applauding everyone who took part. Perhaps you're here as a guest and thinking, oh, I wonder about coming back here. Well, we meet on Sundays, 10.30 in the morning, 7 in the evening. There's a card on a seat knee which gives you details. You can also look us up on the website and see what to expect. And before you leave, if you'd like to take them, we've got in the uh, exits on tables, we've got two little booklets. One is called Why Christmas, which really well uh, answers that question. And the other one is, is called Changing Lives, which we published here, just um, a group of stories from people in the life of the church here whose lives have been just turned around by meeting the person of Jesus. After I say a blessing, the bar will open and you'll be able to buy all sorts of exciting things there, including hot mulled wine. If you prefer the free option, just go towards the right. We've got hot spiced apple juice with mini Christmas puddings, chocolate brownies and custard, all for free. So do stick around. But let's finish with a blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his dear Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you and all your loved ones, wherever they may be, tonight and for always. And the people said, Amen.